riding in the car. I just think he's so cheesy. It's I hated when he was just like all the women. Oh, that all was my least favorite part. Take you riding in the car. And then, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, he just kept doing that. <laughs> one more time. Wait. And then one more other time. He just couldn't decide <sighs> to stop. Bad. It, it, like, when he was up on stage, he just had mixed up! No. Confusion! No! Man, it's a killing me. There's just too many people And they're all too hard to please Alright Kelly, so we spent our final episode of Woody Guthrie Month I guess that's incorrect because we have one more episode Last thoughts on Woody Guthrie But our final mix-up confusion Our final big Woody palooza, if you will Um, We spent this time Less on Bob Dylan Because last week you got to listen to a belated episode, but certainly a lot of Bob Dylan, a lot of Woody Guthrie. Um, I We had a really good time talking about the, the contrast between the two of them. But you know what? Woody Guthrie has impacted a whole lot of other people. I think a lot of it gets condensed down to Bob Dylan. We today are going to be talking about three specific things. One is going to be uh, artists that we know or have been mentioned here before. I'm looking at you, Donovan. Not that we want you here, but uh, you have to be here, I guess. <laughs> it's contractually, you know, it's part of the deal. Artists doing covers of Woody Guthrie songs. Then we're going to be looking at Mermaid Avenue, which is probably the most, uh, unless you had Bob Dylan doing the songs, I don't think there's a way to match the profile of Billy Bragg and Wilco doing Woody Guthrie songs in 1998. So we're going to devote a little bit of time to that. And then we're going to look at uh, the, the world after uh, Woody Guthrie songs being used in other projects and... Um, his lyrics being used by, uh, you know, indie songwriters over here on the one side to, you know, Dropkick Murphys on the other. So it's one thing with Roman Avenue because these are just lyrics that were never put to music. You can make them whatever you want. But then to hear songs that he completed, that he recorded, uh, yeah, made in a completely different way from different bands is, is also really interesting. So it's been a fun week with Woody Guthrie. So a lot of these songs of us singing along, wasn't it Woody that invented the words? Hootenanny, you wanna try? And here comes the chorus. Take you riding in the car, car. Take you riding in the car, car. Hey, take you riding in the car, car. Riding in the car. One more time. Take you riding in the car. Let's talk about the first part one. So, this is gonna be all the covers from people that you've heard of. And let's start where we were contractually obligated to start um, with Donovan. Yeah. A he weird, did the car song. He did the car song. And it's just a weird little live version of basically a nursery rhyme. So we can go ahead and move on. <laughs> D4T by Arnie DeFranco. Holy shit. We listened to Billy Bragg's version last week. Yeah. And, and that was from 1982. So that was a long time ago. It was good. This, like, rise well. This was so much this more. Needs like, oh. this, this needs an acoustic guitar. This needs an acoustic guitar and a singular. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an acoustic guitar and a violin, and yeah. I'm Franco, and like and I'm Franco, so I mean. good. Is this the best way we can grow our great orchards? Is this the best way we can grow our good fruit? To fall like dry leaves and rot on the topsoil, to be known by no name. 
Seeger, she's absolutely part of that tradition as well. And to have her sing this song, uh, it blew me away. It was so good. And the I, Portland show sold out and I can't go and I've never seen her and that's fine. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did talk about that too, about me yeah. going to see her in D.C. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then having mm-hmm. to turn around and it's like all lesbians, <laughs> all of them. That's where I belong. Yeah, all the lights were on and everyone's just staring at me and my girlfriend trying to get out. <laughs> it's like, hello, Hi, how's it going? Ghastly heteros. Oh, ghastly. I know. <laughs> Well, at least they're leaving. Now we can move closer. <laughs> oh, man. This Land is Your Land. It's probably the most covered song of Woody Guthrie ever. And we have True. two of them on there. We have here. two of them on there. I'm talking about motherfucking Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. I had this soul revolution about a year ago when I was in Greece around this time, actually. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, fucking soul's amazing. And I just like went through all these things. But the first time I ever heard this song, This Land is Your Land, mm. uh, was in the movie Up in the Air. And for some reason, it's like the very first song that plays actually through the credits. And I was like, this song's fucking amazing. And I never really followed up on it. And God, that was like eight years ago. And then it just And now you're here. We've talked about it a million times. (laughs) Sharon Jones and the Dab Kings is a band out of time. They They really are. sound like they're straight up from the 60s and 70s. Nothing but soul. Their aesthetic is, too. Their aesthetic is just perfect. You look at their covers of their albums. It is straight out of like 1960 Motown. It's like, it's so what is happening here? Old It's rock. so smart. They know exactly they know what exactly they're doing. They're, they're formed in the late 90s-ish. Yeah. 90s-ish. And some of these albums that we're talking about are from the 2000s. And it's so good. So good. This version's so good. And and the only reason that uh, Bruce Springsteen's the other one that we did. And Bruce is easy. I mean, it, of course Bruce is going to do this. Woody Guthrie was a hero of Bruce Springsteen because Bob Dylan was a hero of Bruce Springsteen. Um I liked his version only because of what he says at the beginning. Yeah. And he, and he made a really eloquent case as to this is the greatest song that's ever been written. Whoa. Whoa. And I love it. I, I love people drawing lines in the sand. That is cool. And, and that's something Bruce Springsteen does too. And I mad respect for that. And the two are vastly different. I mean, you can well, listen to them back to back and not be bored at that's all. That's why the Sharon Jones version is so great because it sounds nothing Nothing like the original. No, it's and, amazing. It, and it, every time I listen to it, I always listen for that sign about private property, and mm-hmm. those are the main Even ones. Even though she says private property, so somebody that falls prey to slogans or you rebel against them and i hope that you're in the latter case and that's what we do here at sign on the window rebel, rebel. <laughs> okay pastor the plenty alice and kraus uh have soft spot for alice and kraus and union station because of the vampire slayer i'm really sorry i my only note says forgettable yeah well she doesn't even sing on it so i don't care <laughs> tom jude i really liked uh woody guthrie's version i did not like this so much uh i only like this because it was combined 
Yeah, it was six like, minutes. It was part one and part two together, right? I, it was faster, too. I, I think it was better. Mm. Not better. Better is a hard thing to say. It, it works so well on the Dust Bowl ballads. It works so well. It's perfect. But um, I don't know. He sings it. He sings it. As true as you can be, as true as possible, um, I give him props for it. I think it's a good song. I, I think it's a great song, and I think he did it justice. It, that was a skip for me. Yeah. Uh, Vigilante Man by Rye? Ray? R- Rye Cotter. Cooter. Rye Cooter. I really like this song a lot. Yeah. Love that fucking Western slide guitar twang. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just dude and a guitar, which I am into. Excellent visceral great guitar. Put it on my Once Upon a Time in the West yes! playlist. It made me think of Firefly. Okay. Amazing. Nice. I'm really into it. Hey, that's a net positive for this episode. Nothing so. less out there, viewers. <laughs> Her playlist has one more song to it. <laughs> it was worth it. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? Uh, Union made Old Crow Medicine Show. I like their aesthetic. Old like Crow the, Medicine Show actually, upbeat. yeah. Uh, once we get more to uh, Blonde on Blonde stuff, they just on the 50th anniversary this year, last this last year this year it came out in '66, so it would have been last year, 2016. Um, they actually re- recorded all of it. They played the entirety of Blonde on Blonde. Oh, um, that was their that's their latest album. So they've been doing this stuff for a long time. So yeah, their version was great. Jesus Christ. You too. Way more rollicking than I thought it would be. Did not expect any of this. No. Very weird. I didn't hate it. Bono's Bono. Bono's voice is very different than like any other song I've ever heard his voice. I think he was like intentionally trying to be a little country fried. But uh it's cute. I don't know. Yeah, I think that they were just paying that that homage tax mm. a little too hard. They like they overdid it yeah. to their benefit because they would have Real, it would have been a way different song, but I think we're also bringing a lot of our own baggage about you two to our own, you know, interpretation of it because they probably rock some shit a little harder than for me. I thought this was going to be a slog, but it was really fun. Wasn't expecting that, Bono. Very weird. Very weird. Thanks, Bono. by Jimmy LaFave. It's it's like sweet. It's a sweet song, but it's it's like pop country, which I'm not super into. Oh. Well, That's how I'm I sure felt about it. I would actually like you. He would actually enjoy that you said that. Because <laughs> I don't think anybody else would say that. I think that they would call him. They would see him more in the folk tradition, I think, where he, because <laughs> he does. He actually, one of the lines uh, about the Osage in there, not in Woody Guthrie's lyrics. So he's doing the same thing that Bob Dylan's doing, which is taking the words, taking the lines and adding his own stuff, which I appreciate a lot. I, I put him in that folk tradition. For me, it's something that I listen to very specifically when I want something. Like if I was out there driving in the Midwest, 
I would put this on. It would be really great to have the the landscape to match the emotion of the song. But I think it's tough. Any of this music is tough if you're not in the right mindset. And that's how I feel about him. I don't listen to him enough because I don't think I'm often in the mindset to, to be where I want to be with him. Oklahoma Hills is tough, especially if you've never been to Oklahoma. I think a lot of it really depends on your own associations with these places. Not that that's necessary, but when you're evoking someone somewhere so specifically... I think it does sort of matter a little bit, maybe. I think so. Yeah, context is so nice. It's like, have you, have you been to Oklahoma drive-through or? I've driven through Oklahoma. I had a bad experience. Yeah, so. but it's probably for you know relatively forgettable. That's the thing. It's yes. like Yeah. Whereas Oklahoma for me is very vivid because I have so many stops. And as if you saw my Twitter last week, you know I showed you a picture of, you know, the Walmart parking lot where I finished Deathly Hollows and the duck that greeted me as I opened up my door. <laughs> Yeah, you can see all of that. That's a that's a vivid story for me. And then I put Odetta on there, why, oh, why? Yeah, which was weird, but cool. It was weird. I only put it on there because I think it's a nice bow tie to all of the weird nursery rhyme stuff. Because yes. I think this is where we stop. This is our final conversation about all of that stuff. I don't understand nursery rhymes. I don't understand children's songs. We're going to continue on that theme when we get to songs uh, by Bob Dylan on um, Under the Red Sky and things like that. Bob Dylan definitely has affinity for this that I don't have and I don't fully understand. So, See, so it's, it's interesting because this one to me made the most sense because it was actually from the perspective of the parent. Yeah. Which it made a little more sense. Like you said, you know, I can't answer your questions because I don't know. Yeah. That's a, that's a very um, adult thing to Absolutely. feel about kids. Yeah. Stop saying why. It's a favorite, yeah. favorite thing for a kid to do. Exactly. Why, 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 why? Yeah. That is a nice summation on the whole – all the nursery stuff that we've done is, yeah. is that at the end of the day it really is an adult – um, just trying to teach the kids, trying to get them, you know, eased into the world. Uh, I think Woody takes it way too far. I just don't. What are you doing half the time, Woody? I, I don't. Milk. We don't need to say nibbles. I guess I planted some long seed of a song with that inside me long ago. And now I can't remember when it was, but enjoy the with the rest of them grow. Such a little song that don't compare With all your big ones you hear everywhere But when it dawns, when the back of your mind The big ones are made up of the little kind Union song, union battle All at it up, what a song Alright, moving on to part two Mermaid Avenue. Yeah. What a great experience. Yeah, I was really not into it because I knew I needed to be in a specific state of mind to listen to this. And initially when I listened to it, I was like, nope, not for me. None of this. I don't want any of this. Because, again, I was coming off of Dust Bowl ballads and I wanted that. And I did not want any of this, like whatever this reimagining garbage is. But then uh, I was in my right state of mind. It was great. Sounds fucking great. Yeah. Also, I'm not a huge Wilco fan, so uh, Wilco's always been one of those bands that's like, I know I shouldn't listen to them, but I don't. Yeah. Meaning that like people I respect really like them, and I, I know they're like Wilco. indie darlings, but they're not for me. Yeah, that's fair. So Maybe in the future we'll get more Wilco. Who knows? And that could have been a situation of circumstance, too. But I, I feel like so. unlike Vampire Weekend, where other bands where I've like gone back to, I'm like, yeah. oh my god, this is fucking great. I feel like I've gone back to Wilco before, and yeah. it's still not been for me. So That's we'll fair. That's fair. Maybe context. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. This is a future project. But this we album. We can only start with one. Bob Dylan first. We'll get to what's next. <laughs> uh, 
so this was released in 1998. Nora Guthrie, uh, Woody's daughter, yeah. um, has had been contacting people, contacted Billy Bragg, which is a natural choice. If there's anyone on earth that was not Bob Dylan, <laughs> it would be Billy Bragg for sure, especially the songs that he was singing then. Uh, if you've never listened to Billy Bragg before this or have not listened to anything since or b- before or after – I definitely recommend going and listening to anything Billy Bragg. It's absolutely fantastic. I know you referenced him in the Yeah, we talked about him before. For sure interview. Yeah, yeah. Tons of records. Yeah, he put out a record about trains this last year. So dudes around. Billy Bragg, later on we're gonna get to something later. He actually asked one of the people, uh, Jay Farrar, who who ended up recording uh We Listened to uh, Careless, Reckless Love and Hoping Machine, uh the album New Multitudes from two thousand twelve. He actually asked him originally to do it, but he declined to do it uh, for whatever reason. And so Billy Bragg turned to Wilco. Because I don't have that much of an affinity for the other one, I I don't know if what would have happened if you had Billy Bragg and Jay Farrar doing this. I did want to ask you, mm-hmm. this whole thing is because, well, not because, but in the 60s, Bob Dylan went to go get the Well, I was going to get to that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that's basically like music's, possibly one of music's biggest what-ifs. Is if Bob Dylan got Woody Guthrie's songs, but this is from Chronicle, so I just want to read this in total because it's fascinating, and, and he's a great—he's a great writer as you would expect him to be. Uh, so, quote: On one of my visits, Woody had told me about some boxes of songs and poems that he had written that had never been seen or set to melodies, that they were stored in the basement of his house in Coney Island, and that I was welcome to them. That house on Coney Island is the cover. Mermaid Avenue is where oh, no he shit. lived. Yeah, so Mermaid Avenue is where he lived. That that house is is his. He told me if I wanted any of these uh, to go and see Margie, his wife, explain what I was there for. She'd unpack them for me. He gave me directions on how to find the house. In the next day or so, I took the subway from West 4th Street Station all the way to the last stop, like he said, in Brooklyn. Stepped out on the platform and went hunting for the house. Woody had said it was easy to find. I saw what looked to be a row of houses across a field, the kind he described, and I walked toward it only to discover that I was walking out across a swamp. I sank into the water, knee level, but kept going anyway. I could see the lights as I moved forward. Didn't really see any other way to go. When I came out on the other end, my pants were from my knee were my pants from the knees down were drenched, frozen solid, and my feet almost numb. But I found the house and I knocked on the door. A babysitter opened it slightly, said that Margie, Woody's wife, wasn't there. One of Woody's kids, Arlo, who would later become a professional singer and a songwriter in his own right, told the babysitter to let me in. Arlo was probably about 10 or 12 years old and didn't know anything about manuscripts locked in the basement. I didn't want to push it. The babysitter was uncomfortable, and I stayed just long enough to warm up, said a quick goodbye, and left with my boots still waterlogged, trudged back across the swamp and to the subway platform. Forty years later, these lyrics would fall into the hands of Billy Bragg and and the group Woco, and they would put melodies to them, bring them to full life, and record them. It was all done under the direction of Woody's daughter, Nora. These performers probably weren't even born when I had made the trip out to Brooklyn. Fascinating. And wow. they were. I would imagine that Billy Bragg would have been born. But I was going to say, isn't Bragg older? I don't know, though. This was 60. This would have been 62, 61, 62. Maybe he's not that old. Hmm. I mean, he's older. I think he was born. I think he was born at this point. He, I, I would almost 100% say he was born. Yeah. Why didn't we look this up? It seems unconscionable that I wouldn't have looked that up. Uh, anyways, so that's a fascinating story. I mean, it's a yeah. big what if. And I think what you were posing to me all week is like, what would Bob Dylan have done with these songs? And I think he would have done what you would have wanted, it, or you thought you wanted, which was 
making them sound Faithful. like Woody. Yeah. Especially if he had them in 61, he would have probably done them all. I can't even imagine it. I mean, all of these songs are really good. But for me, because I've been listening to this record for the last decade, I can't imagine any of them. Like, all the melodies and everything are not are all Wilco and Billy Bragg. It's very unique to them. It's not It's not him that's making those up. So, like, where would Bob have gone with them? Who knows? He probably would have picked some other weird folk song and took those words and put them to a way different tune. I mean, it's really impossible to imagine. Yeah. And well, I just wonder, like, more about his career trajectory. Yeah, I think he would have been stuck more in the folk tradition. I think he would have kept going with this and thought, I'm – yeah, I made the joke earlier. I was like, he would just make a weird – like, Bob Dylan too. this time he'd be wearing, like, a sweater. <laughs> and he would basically just be, like, the songs of Woody Guthrie, you know, like, right. which was – he would have been basically what people were of him, like, the birds of Detta. All, Joan Baez sings Bob Dylan, like, all these – People went out there and produced records where they sang Bob Dylan. He would have just been singing Woody Guthrie. And I think that the world would be a lot different of a place if he kept singing Woody Guthrie songs. I think the folk folks, you know, folk music and that, that whole, you know, movement maybe would have like, I don't know, lasted longer. I think that's a hard one to tell because it certainly ended when Bob Dylan went electric. Right. Maybe not ended, but it certainly was fractured and pivoted. Music got changed. Like that's that's it's not just folk music, just like pop music in general changed. Like that's something hard to even quantify. I don't know. I don't I'm glad that he didn't get those those songs. That's all I gotta say. Not only because I don't think that he would have kept them, we wouldn't have them today if they weren't stored in that basement. I think if if we gave if they gave him I don't know if he would have brought him back. That's dangerous too, because then those songs, if he never did actually record them, Where would potentially be lost. I mean, who knows? Fair enough. So in the end, Bob Dylan did not get these songs. Billy Bragg and Wilco did. Now I've walked a long, long ways. Still look back to my tanglewood days. I've led lots of girls since then to stray. Saying ain't nobody that can sing like me Ain't nobody that can sing like me Well, the under in the minor key Well, the under in the minor key Ain't nobody that can sing like me Easily, easily Easily the best song on this is Way Over Yonder in the Minor Key. That's my favorite. That's how I start the record. Walt, Walt Whitman's Niece. Fine. Yeah, no, Walt really Whitman's why. Niece. Is, it's a great song. He says semen, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, and it's like just a little drinking song. It is, it is. And that's The calls are in response to Okay, California yeah. Stars is the most lauded of this entire project. Mm. Everyone loves that. That was the single, if you will, released when this came out. I think I'm with everyone in the world that I have just heard that song way too many times. It's become a Wilco staple as well. And it's a really gorgeous song. The melody is so beautiful. Jeff Tweedy's voice is perfect. Yada, yada. What a perfect song. That's one of those songs that, to be honest, is like almost perfect to the point that it's like, I just got to put it on the shelf. So California Stars, mm-hmm. again, I don't know really much about Wilco. I'm like, yeah. this feels like it's just a Wilco song. Knowing tangentially about the band, I'm like, this sounds like a song they would have just made. Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah, totally. I think so. I think that's that's its power, though. That's why it's so good. 
Yeah. It's like the perfectness of Wilco with the perfectness of Woody Guthrie. Great well, lyrics. So this great was song, the first song that I was like, oh shit, Woody Guthrie writes love songs, mm-hmm. which is a big deal big because deal. I had no idea he did that at all. No idea. So far, he's been a union socialist hero. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh man, he's got a little tender heart. Beautiful. So that was, that was, inter- that's why I think I like California and Stars, y- just because. And then Yonder Key just gets you, just like, ah, oh, you're just no one on earth that could sing that song. So like who him. is the girl? Singing on this, I I don't know. Was it not Natalie Merchant? It, it might. Have, I don't think so. <laughs> I have no they idea. They were credited on the track. Yeah, I know, and I don't have the the. I actually looked it up because there are moments in the in the second uh, disc that are not Billy Bragg or Wilco, hmm. and uh, and I was able to find one of the songs that was by somebody else, but the other one is still a complete mystery. I'm like, that is not Billy Bragg singing that song. What the fuck is going on here? Yeah. So I think there's a level of just like guest artists and- yeah or it's just kind of a little bit older of a record and kind of it's not probably permeated to the internet metadata. yeah the <laughs> metadata yet so far is not yeah. really ca- catching up with everything yeah so, so yeah, i'm not sure way over yonder in the minor keys definitely my favorite song it's fucking beautiful gave me chills yeah the strings especially during the the bridge um there's a little like minor progression that happens and it totally like changes the song because it's not like a sad song but like during that bridge it just i don't know, I know. the strings get really like deep for a second but it's so short it's like literally five seconds and, and i just i the power of it for me is like at the end of it all it's like it's billy bragg who has a very distinctive voice singing nobody can sing like me mm-hmm. but of course he's singing as if you will the stand-in for woody guthrie who cannot sing for himself anymore yeah. it's such a powerful like just triple entendre just coming right at you just to destroy you made me think of weddings like i could see mm. I just because of how beautiful it is, like yeah. even if you like took out the the words, just playing that oh, yeah. that song, I could definitely see like a lady in a fancy dress walking down an aisle. Yeah. yeah, it's very nice, very yeah. beautiful. Also, a little like Tom Petty. Just want to throw that out there real quick. Oh. I don't know why, but something about it, it like something between American Girl and yeah. and the song, something happened in my head. But yeah, there you go. well, I think that's that makes sense. Yeah. I think we're all thinking that at this point i think jeff judy's voice i want to shout that out just to jump around a little bit uh and not go through song by song jeff judy's voice on this record is outrageously good um in those moments where in hoodoo voodoo those oh, those man. vocal breaks you know i'll be yours oh you'll yeah be mine. i don't i don't know how your voice does that squeaky voice is fun Out my window, sad and lonely. I, I think it's only as lovely as it is because Jeff Tweedy is singing it. I think it's one of his, just one of my favorite performances of his. Devastating. In my window, sad and lonely. Stand in love across the sea. And I let this thing exist especially this came out in 98 people this is almost 20 years old 
We've got him accepted at this point. And for what it is, like when he, when he, when when Jeff is singing Christ for President, like I can see the raucousness of a Woody Guthrie in there. And I think in another person's hands, in a Bob Dylan's hands, it would have just been a weird, like an acoustic, probably fucking six-minute ballad or something. Like yeah. that's a fun song. And they brought a carnival atmosphere to it. I think that they read those lyrics correctly. Yeah, and they Hoodoo Hoodoo sounds it. like a Johnny Karate song. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Didn't Jeff Tweedy show yes, up he on, fucking he did. Was yeah. on He was, yeah, with this kid. Karate chop master, I'm a karate chop master, and I will karate chop you. Chop, 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 kick, 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 chop. Scott, you sing. Chop, chop, kick, 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 no. chop. Just listen to me. Chop and a chop and a kick, 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 chop and a strike the throat and chop a kick, chop. Now you turn. Chop, chop, kick, kick, chop. Harmonies, oh my God! Chop, chop, kick, kick, chop, kick, 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 and a chop and a chop and a chicken and yo. No, it's not. You didn't. I mean, just, just listen. Ingrid Bergman. That's oh, Blanca. okay. That's where she's known from. This song, uh, one of uh, Woody Guthrie's granddaughters said, "quote He had a huge crush on her." And he wrote this just wonderful song about her. It's a very erotic song. Just the fact that he wrote an erotic song about Ingrid Bergman is so funny to me. Yeah. And it is. When he's saying this old mountain has been waiting years for you to work it, to touch this hard rock, that dude just like for a minute, I'm real horny about (laughs) Ingrid Bergman. Bergman. I just saw Casablanca. Yeah. (laughs) And that's another side of Woody Guthrie that like, I, you don't ever see no. to bring it back a second birds and ships but yeah. the reason i like natalie merchant's voice is really great but there's something about it the harmonizing between her and i guess uh jeff tweedy probably for a second yeah, probably jeff. uh it sounds like there's strings in the background but there aren't it's just them singing oh, that's cool which is really really cool and it i'm pretty sure it's just the the guitar it's just a guitar and them singing over it and it's Really fucking cool yeah. level effect that they pulled off. It's a sad song. Yeah, it I is. Like it. And then there are ones that make you want to fucking just jump around. Guess I planted. I think it's oh, one it's of gonna, my favorite. I thought you were gonna say fucking start a fight. Oh, I know. Let's say like, this part of the union sounds oh, like yeah. it makes me want to fucking get it, going. Man. I know that's yeah. we talked about that on uh, on on Monday's episode. Yeah. yeah, this I put on that playlist specifically for that. This is an amazing song. These yeah. lyrics are really fucking good. I said that she came along to me has the best lyrics. I think that they're the best lyrics because there's something, another aspect that you don't expect from Woody Guthrie or even the time period that these were written was acknowledgement of like women in the union, if you will. Yes. And so that was a really big one where it's like, we're not going to win unless we have women. Huge, huge difference between someone like Woody Guthrie and Woody Guthrie as as well felt we were never going to go anywhere. If I was, well, there's a song later on that uh, is talking about Winston-Salem. And being a shithole in, in, in North Carolina, he went down there to uh, be a part of a, a union, unionization effort. And he realized that he was just playing to rooms full of white people when black people were sitting outside. They're all part of the same union, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but they can't actually sit. And so he left. He just like walked away, got his guitar, popped on a railroad and just rode away because he was like, I'm not going to be a part of something where white people and black people can't sit together yeah. in the same cause. Um, so it's really interesting to get that side from Woody Guthrie and then to also hear about women. That's why that song, I think, it like really succeeds. But Guess I Planted is is much more, I think, than just a union song. Like when I listen to it, it to me it's a meditation on songwriting, 
what what it means to write a song. It's, it's a meditation. Yeah, on, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and and obviously on unions as a whole, but also on history, like how we process history. Uh, the songwriting part was right at the beginning. I guess I planted some long, lonesome seed in, of a song way down inside me long ago. It's such a little song. It don't compare with all those big ones you hear everywhere. But when it dawns away in the back of your mind, the big ones are made up of the little kind. And obviously, if you just kind of forget the song part, it's like it's that thing we talked about earlier where you are one person and you have a thousand behind you. We are yeah. all in this together. All those little songs together that Woody Guthrie wrote, even the ones that never got recorded and are put on something like Mermaid Avenue, become this wave that you can just boogie board on all day long. <laughs> It also speaks to that nagging feeling of, like, there's something bigger going on. We're part of something bigger, and this is worth fighting for. Like, yeah. that's what I took away from it. Well, and also sure. history. I mean, at the very end, I, I thought was probably one of the best lyrical turns that Woody... There's a lot of them, but this one I really love. At the very end, the song closes. Um, we fought there at your place. We fought there on your ship. Guess if you missed out on the fight for our union You missed out on one of the big step It's basically just reminding you that like when you look at like your grandpa and your grandma and all the people before you, you might have felt like you missed out on something, but but it's that belief that they took in the, the past. Union song, union battles, up, what is all we got now? Union song, union battles, it up, what is all we got now? Union song, union battles, And it's that acknowledgement that, like, there were people out there in the past that took that off a big step you know they took it so you maybe didn't have to but you can take your own steps and you've got to do your own thing so don't feel like you got left out because you weren't born in the right time do what you can today to make other people's lives better and i thought that whole just all of it together just mm, just a warm fuzzy blanket and then there was eisner on the go which is kind of an understated song kind of comes out of nowhere beautiful um it's one of my top tracks oh really of the situation yeah how come for sure I don't know, it's just like, it's like super cool, really like ethereal, kind of spooky. It's just really a beautiful song. Uh, I don't know why the narrator's afraid. I don't, I was like, clearly okay. this song okay. made some fucking contacts because cool. I have no idea who this person is. We have reversed roles. I, well, no, I guess I'm always your context machine. Context machine. <laughs> context machine. Is that how like machines work? Yes. Uh, he was in Australia. He was not an Australian. Austrian. He was an Austrian composer. Uh, His works were banned by the Nazis, and he was exiled in 1933. He emigrated to the U.S. He composed multiple film scores and was nominated twice for an Oscar um, working in Hollywood. But then he got caught up in the House Un-American Activities Committee. Uh Uh-oh. In the Red Scare. The whack. Whack. Which we've talked about in Talking John Birch Blues. Um, which which does tie in exactly to exactly what you're saying, which is I don't know what I would do. It's that weird moment of of uh, of a man, Woody Guthrie, who was usually out there saying exactly what to do, saying, if I was a part of that committee, I don't know what I would have done. 
Mm. And it's, you know, that the weird sense of doubt. That's, that's I think what that's what makes it so, about, like, I don't know. And that's what know. makes it a beautiful song is like, I stand for all of this, but what do we do when we are faced with these actual things? Oh, I guess that's why he's talking about his family during it. Like, exactly. My sister's here, my dad's here. What do I do? What do I do? As the song come and go and I don't know what I'll do. Eyes the hymn write music. Eyes the hymn teach school. Truman hymn don't play so good, and I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what I'll do. I don't know what I'll do. Eyes the song come and go, and I don't know what I'll do. The narrator in this is like, I definitely, he, he's a good man. But if I was pressed under those circumstances, what would I do? And I think that says a lot about who you are. And you can make up who you are until you're actually sitting on that stand. Everyone needs to be tested. Exactly. So Hans Eisner, um, he was um, one of the first artists to be placed on the Hollywood blacklist. Uh, And, of course, Pete Seeger showed up there. Um, Tons of people. Um, He was accused of being, quote, and this is ridiculous, the Karl Marx of music. (laughs) It's also fucking ridiculous, but we still do this bullshit today where we – label people in these fucking weird, really fucking stupid ways because we're fucking ignorant people. But that is great. I would love to be the Karl Marx of music. Get out of here. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, and he was the chief Soviet agent in Hollywood. Again, this is some dude working for his family, making film scores for movies. Let's keep that. Uh, but he's, but again, Christ. he's fucking from Germany. He's Jewish. So that's all you need to know. Eisner's supporters, though, uh, included Charlie Chaplin, uh, Stravinsky. We know these names. Aaron Copeland. Uh, Leonard Bernstein. So he had a lot of big musical friends uh, who put on a uh, benefit concert to raise money for him, but he was still deported in 1948. Wow. Uh, So upon leaving, he said, quote, I leave this country not without bitterness and infuriation. I could well understand it when in 1933, the Hitler bandits put a price on my head and drove me out. They were the evil of the period. I was proud at being driven out, but I feel heartbroken over being driven out of this beautiful country in this ridiculous way. And he moved back to East Germany, which, again, East versus West. He moved to East Germany. East Germany began to be massively repressed. The Berlin Wall would go up in 1960, I think, 60, 61. Uh, He died in 1958. Um, So basically when he got back, like anybody, you know, this sort of flourishing genius, if you will. And I think that's some of the beauty of America and what we sort of believe as Americans we want to believe. And that's what makes this so sad is that this person who had such a gift – uh, went back to a place that didn't appreciate his gift, um, went under a, a system of government, which I think anybody would find ironic because, again, he's not the Karl Marx of music because he went to a communist state and the communist state crushed him as the communist state would because that was not communism. That was a dictatorship that just crushes people. And so it's it's a sad story. It's really sad in the end. He was deported. He died a decade later um, just completely, yeah, just depressed and, and sad and not making the music up to his caliber. So not a fun story. And I think that also highlights how dire some of these scenarios are when you are, you know, up against choosing between helping someone or not. It can mean life and death. He was just a composer. 
Yeah, he was like, a composer. He was a writer. I mean, he did he did a lot of stuff. Yeah, but like, but for the most part, he was a composer. He wrote he's not music, screaming crazy anti whatever lyrics. Like he has no statement. He's just no. This is not punk rock. No, oh no. The Karl Marx of music would be nowadays. You would wear a T shirt that said "I'm the Karl Marx of music." Right? Yeah, and it'd be amazing. Oh my God. Um, but no, back then, Red Scare man, people are fucking crazy. This is maybe one of the, those ones that I could see Woody doing it just like this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's incredible. It's really good and powerful. Super. Beautiful. Yeah. See, I knew it was something and I didn't even know what it was. I know. And I, I wanted to know because I was like, this is really vague. But who who is Eisner? And that's, yeah. See, I almost looked it up, but I knew you would. Good, good. Well, I want to talk about the unwelcome Room. guest before we okay. get to the end. I, only that it's a really, really wonderful song. Yeah. And uh, excellent lyrics. And I think that really like um, gets back to the Christ for president type of thing. Um, which does seemingly weirdly weave its way through a lot of the songs on here is that idea of like religion as a force of like good living up to the ideals of a religion instead of being um, somebody looking to skirt all the rules for your own benefit. This one was very on brand for me, on brand Woody Guthrie for me because yeah, well, it's the, about a Robin Hood outlaw type. But also the richer, the unwelcome guest. Yeah, yeah essentially. Absolutely. And I, yeah, yeah. Amen. See you later. <laughs> yeah, that's the theme of this week, and and also a, a really piano-driven ballad. It was uh, it was a weird ending to the record, but a welcome one. Well, coming to it for the first time ten years later ish, yeah. Yeah. is uh, is really cool. Really cool. You understand it's not ten years later ish. This is ninety eight, so this is almost twenty years later. This came out oh shit! Yeah, it's almost been twenty years. Next <gasps> year will be twenty years. I forgot how math works. Yeah. Coming to this almost 20 years later. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I'm really glad I got to, a chance to listen to this because it's not something I would have found on my own. Yeah. Although I do have to admit the whole time, Mermaid Avenue, I was, every time I read the title, I was like, on Mermaid Avenue to the turn of VD Avenue. Oh, no. VD Avenue. Two dollars yeah. for that drive on VD. <laughs> Syphilis right. and kind of real place. Who knows what yep. they are. Oh, Sif, Sif Alley. Sif Alley and Clap. Something. So you said your favorite song wasn't even on this. So what was it, Volume Two or No? My favorite song was definitely Way Over Yonder the Minor. Right. But we also listened to a couple songs that you put on our playlist because I didn't know there was even more than this one. Right. So fair enough. Remember the mountain bed. Remember the mountain bed is probably the most beautiful song I've ever. Listened Holy to. shit! Just taking the lyrics, like what an amazingly like evocative, imagery laden, beautiful fucking piece of of poetry. Yeah. Cousin smells and turpentine smells from eucalyptus and pine. In a dance of twigs, we chewed with tangled vines twine. She held us in on all four sides, so thick we could not see. I could not see any wrong in you, and you saw. And the last line goes me out a little bit, but it's so. What about like wanting to smell her hair? No, like spread my seed all over the place again. That killed it. That killed it. (laughs) But again, I I respect Jeff and all of them for for doing it for for singing it all the way through. Well, no, there was also a moment in there too where the snares sounded like waves. Like whatever he was doing with the snare was like, it was just like, 
playing it soft enough where it just sounded like it near the end um, when he was singing about like being with her like holding her or whatever it sounded as if they were like on a beach and a wave Hmm. was like coming through like like crashing into them is it was amazing it was amazing yeah i i I highlighted from all the rest of the uh, mermaid avenues there's a lot of great stuff it's really fun to listen to all together um but but there there is a lot more covers and things like that but uh, i would recommend airplane uh airline to heaven uh obviously this remember the mountain bed uh, against the law all you fascists and ought to be satisfied now. Those are my big, my big recommendations. So you can also get this playlist um, on our website as well. So don't fret. All you fascists uh, should be our national anthem. Yeah. Like really, really. I'm gonna tell all you fascists you may be surprised. People all over this world are getting organized to find. Anyways, Mermaid Avenue, <laughs> absolutely incredible. This is not where it ended, though. So there were songs and projects after that Nora reached out to some of the other people on her playlist uh, to continue this tradition, which I thought was really brave of her to keep doing, like to, to just like, keep opening up this songbook that yeah. you could almost say was like definitively closed with, with Billy Bragg and Wilco and to keep spreading them the message. Um or in the case of uh, Remember the Mountain Bed, Keep Spreading the Seed. Um, so uh, so let's go over a couple of them. Some of them are surprising, and I didn't really know. Um, so before we get into the more um, album-y ones, because there's a few albums that have existed, let's talk about two songs that we maybe have heard before, at least bands that we've heard before. Um, the first one we'll do is... Uh, they call Dropkick Murphys. That's crazy. I fucking love them. Had no idea. And this is like up probably their biggest song. Oh, yeah. This is the one that was on The Departed, and it's played fucking everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Had no idea that the words were Woody Guthrie. Uh, apparently, they do it on another another song as well. To be fair, there's like know. two sentences of a song, but it's True. fucking amazing. It is so good. I've listened to their like first couple albums. I don't know. Uh, I really like them. Them and Flogging Mahler are kind of yeah, interchangeable the, to me. Me too. And I don't <laughs> know if I really care for that Irish like, I'm punk into it a little bit. Rock? I feel beholden to it. Yeah. Well, something about oh, it. that's true. You you got those, those Massachusetts roots. You, you have <laughs> shipped up to Boston. I forgot. <laughs> uh, yes. The lyrics, though, it's very interesting, the story. Like, the lyrics uh, for the song were taken from a fragment of paper 
that Ken Casey, who wrote uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, <laughs> and uh, Sometimes a Great Notion, which is set right here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, that he he found while looking through Woody Guthrie's archive. So he just found a slip of paper, which maybe explains he saw the word shipping up to Boston. It was like, hey, here you go. <laughs> and, uh, that's not true. Uh, amazingly, though, this song has been used not amazingly, because it is a hugely popular song. But for some reason, this song has resonated in Wisconsin politics. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Let me explain. Wisconsin State Representative Jeff Fitzgerald came out in 2000, I want to say 2012, p- possibly 2010. I don't really know. Um, and the band released a statement after they heard him that he came out to the song. Quote, the stupidity and irony of this is laughable. A Wisconsin Republican U.S. Senate candidate and crony of the anti-union governor Scott Walker using a Dropkick Murphy song as an intro is like a white supremacist coming out to a coming out to gangster rap. Fitzgerald, <laughs> oh my God. if you and your staff can't even figure out music, you want to give up on politics. We stand beside our union and labor brothers and sisters and their families in Wisconsin and all over the U.S. Amen, Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> and then that despicable piece of shit, Scott Walker, used it in his political rallies. And the Dropkick Murphys on their Twitter account just posted, at Governor Walker, at Scott Walker, quote, please stop using our music in any way. We literally hate you. Love the Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> Amazing. That's all so, you need to say. That's all you need to say. And so to piggyback on that a little bit, the next one that I had literally no idea about is a little band called Anti-Flag. I don't know why I said it like that. Anti-Flag. Um, a song called Post-War Breakout, which was on their 2003 album, The Terror Stings. For the post-war breakout. The next three we're going to talk about are basically the albums that um, were sort of uh, commissioned, if you will, from Nora Guthrie. Um, let's start with the Klezmatics. Yeah, man. Oh, will you come when I call you? I'll come when you call me. I'll call you at half past two. Two's for the love of me and you. One's for the pretty little baby that's born, born, born and gone away. Great song, yeah, and the whole album, The Wonder Wheel, 2006, it won a Grammy for the Best World Music Album. Um, it's all Woody Guthrie songs. Nice. All of it. But it's in that style. The they're a band from New York, uh, formed okay. in like '89, I think. Really, uh, Kletzerman music is. Yeah, what like, is that music? It's in is Israel like a Jewish Yiddish traditional music, like kind of from. Yeah. That region, uh, 
Klutzmer also features in Romani music, so the the Klutzmaniacs are a Klutzmer band of the modern era. And uh, Klutzmatics. Klutzmatics. What did I say? Klutzmaniacs. Whatever. <laughs> Same thing. I mean, better. <laughs> yeah, missed opportunity. That's like two Klutz band. Was it what's Klutzmer? Klutzmer bands joining together. <laughs> it would be the Klutzmaniacs. So the Klutzmatics. Yes. Um, are upholding this really old tradition of yeah. music. It's been around for a really long time. Uh, and I fucking love it. I love yeah. that like weird Middle Eastern kind of sound. Um, I clicked on the Wikipedia. It was too long. And I was like, yep, that's a whole entire tradition that I cannot get in one I, fell swoop. Like I just skimmed it, but I, yeah. I I know of this music. So it was just, so it's really beautiful. Yeah. I, I love that, though, to go from, like, Billy Bragg and Wilco to something like this, yeah. which is, like... The definitive oh, okay. Klutzmer band now. But maybe that that's, maybe, for me, I would have never heard of them if it weren't for this oh, I connection to Woody Guthrie. Yeah, so... I'm really glad I got to... So that's actually a really interesting thing, then. I wonder if Nora, in, in deciding how to continue this project, if that's what she was thinking... Chose them. Chose them yeah. on purpose, for that maybe. reason. Maybe to keep, to expand it. Yeah, I don't know. But that's really, cool. really interesting. Yeah, definitely it was really great. super different flavor of everything else. Yeah. I definitely cool. definitely enjoy that. Uh, the next one would be um, it's a weird name. It is Jonathan Brook. Jonathan Brook. I ride the fastest horse and chips. I sip the sweetest, warmest lips. I deck myself with the prettiest clothes. My true love is frozen cold. These soldiers bold. thing is maybe the worst cover art i've ever seen oh, on yeah. an album in my entire life but all of it is woody guthrie songs by her but a lot of them are really romantic it, it's mm-hmm. all those what how did woody guthrie write a song like that yeah so this Fuck. made it onto my trip my top t- as well this yeah. is the last one of my little top i mean like top seven of all yeah. the songs we listen to cool this is the last one i made it on there uh terrible cover art but on brand for what this is which is super gay lady music (laughs) and i don't know if she i don't know her situation but what i can't tell you is that this made it onto my gay lady music for gay ladies playlist because holy shit like this is 100 percent on point from the cover art art, yeah okay cover art is the gayest thing you've ever seen sarah mclaughlin has basically the same With, like, words, Woody Guthrie, <laughs> music by the name that you already see earlier. Yeah, I think Fumbling Corey's ecstasy, ecstasy is pretty much this. It's, like, her from the, the head. It's basically Listen, the same. I'm fine with the weird headshots and stuff like that. I, I disagree with putting words by, like, the, just the font oh, was, like, basically papyrus. Back. It was awful. I think, I think Sarah McLaughlin's is Comic Sans. Like, look, we can't. We can't get into this. What we can say is that uh, steamy, steamy enough to thaw me. Is that that's what the whole theme of this song is? Okay, is like I have a cold heart, but um, uh, there's some. But you are making yeah. less cold. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, her voice is beautiful. I loved it too. The song is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I really wonder if she changed it or if Woody wrote it for because she's oh. kind of talking about sailors. 
So I don't know what's going on there. He didn't do a lot of that. But again, I think we're doing a lot of like political stuff where it's really agendered. We don't really do him or her. So I wonder if – because Bob does that. Bob moves around uh, in terms of who's singing to who. And I'm really into that, which is why I was curious. Like I I hope that he was like – I'll put myself in the place of a woman, quote yeah. unquote, or I'll just be fucking fluid and sing a song about whatever. Or more than likely, it, it almost doesn't matter because the whole tradition too with Woody Guthrie is that it doesn't really matter. Like you're gonna, you should bring if you are continuing and you're a link in this chain, and these are the links in the chain, really in a way. You got to bring your own thing. So if that song is about a guy, make it a girl. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and so so Woody might not have thought that way for sure. I mean, can't fault him, whatever. But. But yeah, it would be important for her to sing what she feels yeah. should be sung. It makes it more powerful because it's almost like this little private journal that he kept to himself and he didn't really share with the world because we don't have any recordings of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost, I don't know, in a beautiful in a way that like he didn't feel like it was a, like he, he could have shared this. And it turns yeah. out to be really gorgeous. This, and, uh, the the mountain bed and, mm-hmm. and this song that was like, he wrote these love songs mm-hmm. and whether or not it was because he was this image or this idea he was trying to do or yeah. or something, but this is so unexpected. But so he writes it. That's another thing that like, I think we can all learn from and especially like myself wanting to do stuff like this, like write, 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 write all the time. Write always. Bob Dylan did. That's why Bob Dylan's Bob Dylan. Woody Guthrie did. That's why Woody Guthrie's Woody Guthrie. He just wrote. He wrote all the time. So all the time he had these feelings. Like, yeah, there were certainly times that you were going to be in love. There's certainly times that you were going to be mad. And certainly times you were going to want to fucking create a union out of whole cloth, you know? <laughs> There's a line in uh, My Sweet and Bitter Bowl where yeah. he says, the very last line I think it is, uh, I'll pay you in words not sung or said. I was like, whew. Mm. What are you going to pay with? Or she says, I guess, because yeah. she's once again. Uh-huh. I'm gonna pay you a sexy time. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's why it's getting on that like gay song list. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and then the final one, as far as I know, and there might be others coming in the future, uh, but Jay Farrar. There's a couple of musicians we'll get into. Um, it's also got Will Johnson, Anders Parker, and Jim James, who is credited as Yim James. Oh. Uh, Jim James is from My Morning Jacket, so he's oh. definitely by far the most famous person on there. We will actually see him when we watch I'm Not There. He is a part of. Uh, the band he sings going to Acapulco and he's got one of the, the white face, you know, that Bob oh, okay. Dylan had in um, Rolling Thunder. Uh, so we'll see. We will see him and I'm not there. He also sings on the, the album and he's a part of My Morning Jacket, which is a great band. Uh, but anyways, so, so they played a, a, there was an album called uh, New Multitudes in 2012 and we listened to two songs from it, Careless, Reckless Love and Hoping Machine. Don't let anything your props out from under you Always keep your mind clear Let your plans come out of mistakes These are the plans And nothing can tear down Made out of things That have already been torn down Whatever you do And wherever you go Lose your grip on life and that means Don't let any earthly calamity Knock your dreamer and your hoping machine I enjoyed these. The, this, the, this is the one that I feel like was trying to live up to Woody Guthrie as Woody Guthrie. Um, I guess in this one it was a little different because uh, Nora gave full access he could have been the one playing with, with Billy Bragg back in the right. day. He kept this idea in his head, whatever. So he came back to it. 
he picked all the songs that were from his early period when he was in Los Angeles. So a lot of these songs are like really early Woody Guthrie songs. So what does it mean to sing these songs as Woody Guthrie would have done them? Like, that doesn't well, I think really make Hoping sense. Machine has that for sure. Yeah. And there, there's more yim yams on that one than, yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, I liked Hoping Machine more than yeah, Careless. Me too. But for me, yeah, I guess it, it's a sort of a forgettable sort of thing. Uh, and it, it comes at the end of all of this. You, you, you can't really outrun the shadow of Mermaid Avenue, unfortunately. So, so it is what it is, and I think it's worth a listen in full. And I probably will over the, over the rest of Woody Guthrie Month on my own just to probably listen to these albums because I'm curious. And, and they were well done interpretations. Well done all around. Yeah, everybody is professional and um, and really gives it care. What was the other song that I put on my Once Upon a Time in the West playlist? There was definitely two of them. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know what the other one was. It was one that we probably didn't talk about, which is why I didn't mention it. Two, just two on here. That's crazy. Uh, this is the most exclusive playlist on earth. The Once Upon a Time in the West. <laughs> Every, it's just a very specific I vision. I know, I know. And I just, I want Bob on there so bad. He's on there. I know, but I want him more. More Bob. <laughs> All the Bob. There's two, I think. More. No. Vigilante Man and Pastures of Plenty. And Pastures of, oh, right. Yeah. We did talk about that, and I didn't mention it. You so did. There you, go. you did. That's right, Vigilante Man. Yeah, it wasn't even anything on Mermaid Avenue. That was a long time ago. Yeah. Feels like years an ago. hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is the conclusion of Woody Guthrie Month um, in terms of mixed-up confusion. So this is the end. Uh, we might um, – I think at, at ne- next week, next Monday, we are going to be doing Last Thoughts on Woody Guthrie. We are going to share our last thoughts on Woody Guthrie uh, as well as Bob's. And I think we're going to talk a lot about his last years of life on this earth. And we're going to see all this greatness that we have sort of contended with. Um, over the last, you know, three weeks at this point, uh, we're going to see where it all leads and and what happened. So do do tune in there. I know that sounds real sad and depressing, but we are going to uh, make it as lively as possible. We're going to listen to uh, Last Thoughts on Woody Guthrie, as I said, and maybe find some other Woody Guthrie songs to kind of say goodbye to this great man that died 50 years ago. Not today, but 50 years ago this month. Um, and hopefully, um, maybe we'll visit Woody Guthrie again somewhere down the road. Um, but there's a lot of artists that he inspired and Bob Dylan inspired that that we want to keep doing this treatment to because this has been a lot of fun. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed to get to know Woody Guthrie in a way that I sort of tangentially did, but we really dug into it this time. So it was a lot of fun. So Kelly, any any goodbyes to uh, to Woody? No, no. I'm just thinking of song to Woody and being sad again. Good. That's exactly what we wanted. Everybody, <laughs> listen to song to Woody. Be sad. <laughs> Uh, listen to Song to Woody right before you listen to Last Thoughts on Woody Guthrie, and you'll probably get a... Cry fast. Yeah, one two punch. That's <laughs> really great. Um, so we're going to dive deep into that. Um, it's one of my favorite things about Pop Dylan, period. I hope that you're moved to join us on our podcast next week. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that you'll be there. So we love you. We're a real podcast, SOTWpod.com, SOTWpod everywhere. We will see you on Monday for the final episode of Woody Guthrie Month. And then we will go back to picking regular episodes like a normal fucking podcast. At random. At random. We will see you <laughs> next week. Bye. This song was put together back in the 1930s by a fellow some of you may know. His name was Woody Guthrie. 
Woody has been in a hospital now for 10 years. Probably won't, won't write another song. But he was one of the greatest ballad makers I guess I'll ever know. Wrote songs about the Dust Bowl, about the crops of California. Wrote songs for his children. A lot of people have heard his songs. They're getting more and more well-known every year. But I thought maybe right now you'd be interested to perhaps see him. This is him. In the dead hours of night, she rose from her blanket, a battle to fight. She rose from her blanket with a gun in each hand, said, come all up.